Welcome to All Things Erie from Erie, PA. That's Erie with three E's. My name's Kathy, and I'll be your host for today's podcast. Wow, it's been a long time since I've been on here, and a lot's happened since I last spoke with you all. I have to say that I am so sorry for not being on here. But like I said, a lot's been going on, and I honestly thought I would have more time on my hands this past summer with not having to work, but I clearly was wrong. So, 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 and I cannot emphasize this enough, so wrong. I had planted a garden, just a small one, and I took care of that, and that took at least six hours out of my day to keep going and stuff like that. And then I had a setback with my health, a seven-week setback where I was so sick that I was in the hospital for a week and then it took all I could just to get through the day. No, it wasn't COVID, but um, also not going to make this political, but I got my first vaccine and that's all it took. Allergic reactions are not cool by any means. They basically just suck balls. But I'm back on my feet, back to work, and have a lot of funny stories from work. Gotta love kids. However, what I'm going to do today is upload my interview with a local author, William Isaac. And I have to say that when he reached out, I was, for lack of better words, flattered. So please sit back and enjoy this interview. You're going to love it. And it's just in time for Halloween. Welcome to All Things Erie. This is Kathy. I'm your podcast host today. And today we are going to talk to Will Isaac, who is writing some amazing pieces. William, can you please tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yes. Uh, thank you for having me. My name is William Isaac. I own a company called Will Likes to Write, and my mission is to write amazing stories. Um, I like writing stories from children all the way to adults, all the way from the cute, beautiful, um, inspirational stories to the horror, blood, and guts that all adults end up loving. <laughs> that's what I'm, that's what my mission is. Now, when did you realize you wanted to be a writer? Oh, wow. Um, I knew I wanted to write stories after I read um, a series, a trilogy of books from my favorite author named Brent Weeks. He has a a group of stories um, called the Night Angel Trilogy. And when I read those, that was the first time I read something that made me jealous that I didn't write it. That is the very first time I read something. I was like, whoa, whoever wrote this. First of all, I want to meet him. And second, why did not come up with this? Well, there, I can understand that. I can, I, I, I really can understand that. There's some amazing pieces out there. Now, now, what is, what are these? I should say, what are those books about that inspired you to write? Well, in that angel trilogy. I'm sorry, I'm trying to make sure that um, I heard you correctly. You asked me, um, what is the Night Angel trilogy about? Correct. 
Correct. Because I'm not familiar with it. And I don't know if anybody in the audience would be either. So um, I I personally do historical romance. Um, some um, I do cr- crime on my podcast. I don't do a whole lot of horror novels anymore. Um, because, for, for example, Stephen King, King's It, that was the only book that made me take six weeks to read. I am a flat out three day a book person, but it was the one that made me put things down. <laughs> so, I am not, I don't stay outside my genre too much. I do some suspense books, but it's been so long since I picked up a book. I am not joking. I will reread a book until it falls apart. I don't know if you're like that or not. I actually am. I when I get into something, especially um, reading or even listening to audiobooks, I usually will go back and go over it one more time, or even three, four, or five more times. Especially if it just keeps playing in my mind. So I definitely understand it, and. It's entertaining too. It actually, I find new things in the stories when I go back over them. Right. And something else that inspires me to keep writing or even take a different writing approach in a different story that I'm working on. Oh, okay. So I, I definitely understand what you're talking about. Okay. So <clears throat> the, that, that trilogy, what is, what, what, what is that about? Well, uh, the Night Angel trilogy, you'll end up following a dude called. I want to make sure that I'm saying his name right. Azov. Um, he's a uh, street rat. Uh, he, I'm pretty sure that he made these series off of, um, he went, I believe, to Indonesia, um, some Asian country. And he's seen, you know, the children, you know, who are orphaned. Okay. You know, they're street rats. They're, that's what they call themselves in the story. That's what they're um, kind of. Um, titled as, and they create these guilds, these gangs to kind of stay alive, to help each other. Mm. And they're just trying to find their way out of it, out of poverty, out of trying to scrape and survive. Hopefully they get, you know, some type of apprenticeship, get them off the streets because it's dangerous for a child, you know, being by itself. Oh, yeah. Or uh, herself. Absolutely. And this young man ends up running into um, an assassin named Durzo Blint. And Durzo Blint has some of the, the dopest sayings and the coolest way of expressing himself I've ever <laughs> seen written. And he's the man. He's the most deadly, the most deadly assassin. He's the, he's the smartest. He has the most talent. And, you know, there's a little bit of magic thrown in there, too, to help him out. He just ends up in Durzo's presence and becoming Durzo's actual apprentice. Durzo never kept an apprentice. So for him to get this kid and the kid, you know, step up and actually become more than he was, for me in the story, it, it was just inspiring. And it was and it was the the growth of the character that kind of got me because you know, like many of us, I understand poverty and I understand trying to pull yourself out of that. Okay. And what that what that kind of entails and all the hardships that will come with that. 
Okay. And for this character, he just struggled. The whole first book, Night Angel uh, trilogy, he just struggled. And, you know, the first book in the um, trilogy is called The Way of Shadows. The second, Shadow's Edge. And then Beyond the Shadows is the last one. But then the second book, you'll see, you know, he, he's a little bit more into, he has a little bit more of a hold on who he is as a person, Azor. But he's still not Gerzo. And he still needs Gerzo's leadership, guidance. And he's being the father that he never had. And I just, for me, I, there's something about that story. He just became, he wasn't, he had no family. And then all of a sudden he had an awesome father figure in Gerzo. But also he has somebody who's going to protect him too. So now there's that sense of, you know, panic that he came in with in the first story and how it's wrote into the story where you see him being more skittish and less assertive. Mm -hmm. He's more cautious and less willing to take chances. Mm -hmm. And I love how it changed in the second book because it's, it's, it's almost, you get to read this man's life coming from a child to teenager to young adult having a lot more confidence in himself because he's seen what he can accomplish. Oh, wow. So for me, I believe in those stories. That's what that's what got me and held me for the Night Angel trilogy. Uh, those sound like amazing books. They're, they really, really do. It's really gritty. I do want to say that. It's yeah. a very gritty thing. If you are skittish, if you have a weak stomach, do not read the Night Angel trilogy. It's not for you. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's not what you're supposed to read. Um, but for, for people who love horror, who love, um, you know, it's not a horror story, but the people who read those type of things would much, they would have touched that subject a lot more than someone who, you know, stays in to, um, you know, romantic novels or things of that nature. Well, so would you consider it horror or would you consider it crime? Would you consider it fantasy? Would you consider it? A mix of crime, fantasy versus, um, you know, because you're saying that the, these are kids that are uh, left on the street and they have to fend for themselves. Because trust me, I've, I've touched on stories that have done that and, it, and it's not nice. So Yeah, um, the Night Engine trilogy is not horror. It is not, um, it, it is definitely fantasy, but I believe it's adult fantasy. Okay. I believe that these books should have an age limit to it. Okay. You, you may have to be able to prove that you 18 to buy these books. I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. So then take us to the two stories that we are um, featuring here, which is The Man Without a Face and The Huntress. Can you tell the audience a little bit about each book or storyline without giving away the whole thing? Yes, ma'am. Um, first, I want to say um, uh, The Woods of Washington is the first horror stories from the Will Likes to Write collection. I took a setting, you know, that I'm not really used to. You know, I'm from Erie PA. You know, I'm an author out of Erie PA. And I've never been into The Woods of Washington. But I thought, let's, you know, use a setting that is that is foreign. And put some, you know, some horror in it, throw some, throw some crazy stuff in it. Um, the first story is about, um, some children 
and that's that's funny that you know the first story I I talked about was actually the night angel, and it's about a child first. Um, everybody's about some children who, you know, they come they're coming from a little bit of a hard situation, but they're still moving. They were met with tragedy. They had to face. This is The Woods of Washington, The Man Without a Face by William Isaac, book one. Lana rushed downstairs, hoping she and her brother Ben weren't late catching the bus. Hurry up, she said as he moped behind her. She buttoned his jacket and told him to put on his hat. Looking out of the window, she was unsurprised to see it raining. Living on the outskirts of Auburn, Washington, they were used to walking to the bus stop in the rain. Begrudgingly, he pulled on his hat and headed out. Why can't we get a ride to school like Shay? He asked as they walked out of the house. After locking the door, Lana grabbed Ben's hand and started down the long, narrow road. Their house is the last house on a small, dead-end road surrounded by woods. Shay gets a ride because she has practiced before school, Lana told Ben as they made their way towards the Browns' home. Their house is the only other house on the road, separated by a mile of wooded area. Their bus stop isn't far past their house. The day went by as usual, and Lana found Ben in his usual spot after school standing with Shay. Can I join the swim team? Ben asked Shay as Lana approached. When you get older, yes, Shay said, buttoning his jacket. Now put on your hat. Shay turned to Lana. I have to go to practice. If you need me, just call. Lana agreed, and she and Ben got on their bus. A while later, the two were getting off at their stop with the waves and goodbyes of their friends. Ben talked nonstop about his friends and class assignments as they walked. They just passed the Browns' home when Lana started to tune Ben out, when suddenly Ben tugged on her shirt. Lana, who is that, he asked. Lana looked back, and to her surprise, she could see a man on the road behind them. From this distance, she really couldn't see him well enough to know if she knew him. The man was wearing what she thought was an old-style suit like she's seen in the old black-and-white movies. As they looked, the man took off his feathered top hat and waved at them. He's probably a friend of the Browns, she said, taking Ben's hand. Let's get home. While they walked, Lana forgot about the man and started to think about the homework she had to complete before the next day. Finally, the two made it to their house, and as Lana was searching for the key, Ben's worried voice came from behind her. Lana... That man is still coming. She turned around, and like Ben said, the man was still coming down the road. He must be lost, Ben, Lana said, turning to open the door. A lot of people drive down not knowing it's a dead end. Ben seemed unconvinced, but walked into the house. They started their homework, and shortly later, Lana walked to the window facing the front of the house. She didn't know why, but she knew she had to look out there. Lana carefully peeked out of the window, and her stomach dropped. Outside of her house stood the man. He stood still in the road, but wasn't looking at the house. He faced the woods directly across from the house. Lana jumped when she heard Ben's voice from behind her. Is the man out there? She calmed herself before answering. Yes, but it looks like he's just lost, she said, trying to sound convincing. Let's get back to work. A while went by, and Lana and Ben started to forget about the man. With their minds cleared, the two started to push through their work. Ben started talking, but was cut off by three light knocks on the door. They both looked at the door. 
then at each other. Lana got up from the table and started toward the door. Don't go to the door, Ben whispered behind Lana. Slowly, she made her way to the door, her heart pounding in her ears. Lana raised her hand to move the small curtain covering the window on the front door, and her heart stopped. Lana froze, looking into what she believed to be the face of a man, but there was nothing there. The man's face was one smooth surface of skin with no discernible facial features. She screamed, dropping the curtain and falling away from the door, rushing to grab the phone. Lana then yelled, shocked by her reaction, what's wrong? Lana ignored Ben and started dialing the first number that came to her mind, the Browns. The Browns have always looked out for their family and they were closest. Ben asked his question again while she listened for someone to answer the phone. Ben turned away from Lana, holding the phone, and headed toward the door. No, she hissed, her eyes full of fear. Why, Ben asked. Why are you so afraid? Lana started to answer, but heard the Brown's answer machine beep through the receiver. Hello, Miss Brown? This is Lana from up the street. We need your help. Me and Ben are at the house, and our mom is gone, and there's a man outside, and we're scared. The voice machine reached its recording limit, and Lana hung up. Right then, five hard knocks rang on the door, making them both jump. Lana frantically started dialing a second number into the phone and motioned for Ben to follow her into the living room. What are we gonna do? Who are you calling? Ben whispered nervously. Shay, she answered with the phone to her ear. Shay's phone went to voicemail and Lana spat out her words as quickly as she could. Shay, we need your help. There's a man at the door and she paused. She didn't know what to say. He, he won't go away. Come home now. Ben started toward the door and Lana grabbed his shoulder hard. Hey, he yelled. Why are you acting scared? Is it because of that man? Shh, she said with her finger to her lips. You can't go to the door. But why? Ben asked, looking toward the door. Five louder knocks rang on the door, causing them both to flinch. Ben, we have to call the police. There's something wrong with that man. Ben seen the fear in his sister's eyes and tried to put on a brave face. What's wrong with him? He asked in his most serious voice. He... He doesn't have a face, she answered in a low voice. He doesn't have a face? Ben asked, confusion showing on his face. Lana just nodded. Ben looked toward the door. He could see the outline of the man walking back and forth on the porch. His eyes were on the man for a few seconds before the man stopped and his head snapped to the side. Ben stepped back out of the side of the window. Somehow he knew the man was looking right at him. Call them, he said, breathing hard. Lana started dialing and the man started banging on the door again. The two backed into the corner in their living room. With the phone to her ear, Lana watched the door shake and hoped it would stay shut. Hello, Auburn police, the operator said in her ear. The banging on the door continued. What's your emergency? There's a man at our door, and we need help, she yelled into the phone. Do not worry, we have your address, and our officer is on his way. Is... The operator was cut off by the man banging on the door. Lana let out a small scream and retreated further into the living room. Okay, is there an adult home? No, Lana answered, tears forming in her eyes. No, it's only me and my little brother. Her voice strained with every word. The pounding continued, the door shaking under the pressure from the blows. 
Okay, I need you to listen and understand what I say to you. The operator instructed. Lana cried, trying to understand what she was saying. Where is your brother? The operator asked. Lana looked around the room until she found her brother leaning against the wall, watching the door. He's here in the living room with me, she answered. Is he okay? The operator asked. I think so, Lana trailed off. He's just standing here looking at the door. She called to Ben, but he didn't respond. He won't talk to me. Just then, the window on the door shattered, and the small curtain went flying across the room. Lana screamed loudly and pulled Ben from where he stood. Okay, what's your name? The operator asked. Lana, she answered, tears falling freely down her face. Don't worry, Lana, the operator said, trying to calm her. Our officers are on their way. For now, we have to make you and your brother as safe as possible. Is there a place for you and him to hide? Yes, she forced out. Upstairs. That's where you and your brother need to go, the operator said in a stern, calm voice. Right then, the pounding on the door stopped, and a deep, gurgling sound came from outside. That would not be a good idea, the man outside said. Lana shuddered at his voice. There was something off about it. Lana, frozen in her place, jumped at the voice in her ear. Lana, the operator said in her ear, I heard someone speak. Is there someone else in the house with you and your brother? No, Lana answered. That was the man outside. Lana, listen to me. Do not talk to him. You and your brother need to hide until the officers come to get you, the operator said. Lana grabbed Ben's hand and pulled him toward the stairs with her. From outside, Lana heard a loud growl and a door splintered from a hard blow. Lana and Ben both screamed loudly and started moving faster. The voice of the operator rang through the phone, but Lana paid it no attention. Before they were halfway up the stairs, the door flew open and Lana dropped the phone, screaming for Ben to move faster. But Ben took one look at the man rushing into the house and froze in place. Lana hesitated, wanting to help her brother, but it was too late. The man was already reaching for Ben. Lana didn't stay to see Ben get captured. She turned and ran for her room. She didn't even take four steps before she heard quick, heavy footsteps behind her. She ran harder, but suddenly a bony hand wrapped around her arm, stopping her in her tracks. Lana struggled against the man's grip, but he easily moved her in the direction of the stairs. With one last burst of desperation, she swung and clawed at the man. The man took Lana's face in his long-fingered hand and threw her against the wall. She slammed into the wall and smashed the back of her head with a solid thud. Lana fell to the floor, and the last thing she seen was the man's muddy dress shoes. Chapter 2 He pulled the girl through the hall and down the stairs, giving no care to the injuries she would receive from the unforgiving wood. At the bottom of the stairs, the boy sat with his knees pulled to his chest, slightly rocking. He knew the boy would follow him at his command. The girl would be the one he would have to convoy. On the ground, the phone laid next to the girl's body, and a pleading voice rang through. He picked it up. Hello? Hello, Lana, are you all right? The operator said in his ear. The man said nothing. His heavy breathing blew into the phone. Lana? The operator said. Whoever this is, do not hurt the children. A cruiser is already en route to the residence. Surrender yourself before you do something regrettable. The man remained silent. Did you hear me? The operator added. Leave the children alone. Deep cackling rang through the phone, and the operator was lost for words. Sir? The operator asked wearily. 
More laughs sounded through the phone, then the line went deathly silent. You speak with such conviction. The man said in a voice so full of anger, the operator flinched at hearing it. The operator started to speak, but the man cut him off. John. The man said plainly. The operator's voice cracked. How do you know my name? Lisa and Brendan are next. And with that, the line went dead. Shortly later, two cars came to screeching halts in front of the last house on the small dead-end road. One car was driven by Mr. and Miss Brown. Mr. Brown jumped out of his car carrying his shotgun. In the other car were two policemen. The man in the passenger seat jumped out before the car came to a full stop. The two men ran into the house, its wooden door hung on its hinges. They moved through the house calling for the children, but there was no answer. Soon, the two men were joined by the second officer at the back door of the house. The children were long gone. On their way out, Mr. Brown stopped. He was surprised to see something he missed before. On the ground next to the stairs sat a feather top hat. That was just part of the story. I hope that you enjoyed it. And I know I did. And just a bit of advice. I hope you didn't listen to it while you were alone or with both earbuds. I know I did, and it was 6 o'clock in the morning, and it still creeped me out, which is a good thing. It's October, right? That's what we're all about in October. Anyways, remember, all information will be included in my show notes on my Facebook page, All Things Erie from Erie PA. That's Erie with three E's. I'm on Facebook, iTunes, Podbean.com as all, three, all Things Erie from Erie PA eerie with three e's and instagram and twitter at kathy b-r-d-l-y also all things eerie from eerie pa i'm looking forward to getting down to writing my next story my little nugget for today not everything is always what it seems what may look like a helpful hand may not always be as helpful as it would seem disguises come in many forms and with october being the month of halloween There will be those who can wear their disguises without notice. It's when they take them off that we find the true monsters underneath. Take care, my friends, and until next time, this is Kathy, signing off.